Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 99. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $5,928 each. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin epicenter of the South. I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty Siberian Husky, Maxwell, right by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking with people about Bitcoin and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Long-time listeners, thank you once again for supporting the show with your tips. And new listeners, we hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, I welcome into the Treehouse studio Sam Jaco and Phil Thompson of the band Don Coyote. In addition to their love of live performance and studio recording, these two talented Nashville musicians have a growing interest in Bitcoin and the crypto world that is unfolding before our very eyes. Listeners, please join me as I introduce you to these cool cats and their music. Yes, I'm going to be playing a few tracks from one of their albums, so stick around for some amazing music with good old American country roots. Listeners, I have a special treat for you this evening. I am here at the Treehouse Studio in East Nashville, Tennessee, speaking with two guys who live right here in East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm speaking with Sam Jaco and Phil Thompson. These are two musician-type guys. They play music, and they also have a tie and an interest in cryptocurrency. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, yes. Now, you know, Phil I've known for a while and from East Nashville, he just turned me on to this album by this group called Don Coyote. Not to be confused with Don Quixote, the jouster of windmills, but Don Coyote. I love that. This album is called Bless Your Heart. This is your first album. Is that right? That's yes. right. Okay. Now, Phil, you're not on this album, no. right? No, I wasn't with the band yet. Wasn't with the band yet, but Sam, you are obviously. Sam, you are the lead singer. You are the one who wrote most of these tunes. I think you told me all but one. All but two. All but two. Okay. (laughs) This is a fantastic album. There are some nice slow tunes, but what I love, I told you earlier, is the hard driving tunes because I love that kind of music. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the band and let's talk about how you formed the band. And first of all, Sam, let's talk a little bit about where you're from. I'm originally from Memphis. I was born on the anniversary of Elvis Presley's death in Elvis Presley Memorial Hospital. Wow. My parents were horse carriage drivers down there in the 80s, so I kind of just grew up around that. My father joined the Navy when I was young, so I moved around. I spent some time uh, in the Virginia Beach area in Charleston, South Carolina. And then when he got out of the Navy, we came back to McMinnville, Tennessee. So I went from kind of like a rough and tumble city to a couple of really clean cities to kind of a small town, I guess, in middle Tennessee. And I fell in love with it there. I've stayed here. I went to school in Murfreesboro, Tennessee at MTSU. And then afterwards, I just moved up here. And I've just been chipping away at the music thing. Nice, man. Now, what did you study at MTSU, I have to ask? Graphic design and printmaking. Okay. Do you still do any of that? Actually, yes, I do both. I didn't finish from MTSU, but I work for Nashville Arts Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I'm a risograph printer in my spare time. Okay, nice, man. Jack of all trades. When did you start writing music? Oh, I probably started writing music when I was about... 19 years old. Okay. How old are you now? 28. 28. Wow. Well, you're a damn good songwriter, man. Oh, much obliged. Yes. Love the stuff. So, Phil, you, where are you from? I'm originally from Louisiana. That's where all my extended family lives. And that's kind of where I claim 
to be more of my home. But I also, I spent most of my life in Starkville, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. My dad was a photographer there at the uh, vet school. Okay. I've been playing violin since I was about eight years old. And it took me a couple years of college to figure out that I wanted to major in what I've been doing my whole life. I noticed you said violin. So you started out playing violin. Did you study some classical? Yeah, it was mostly classical music cool. that I did growing up. I learned guitar when I was 16, played in like the youth group band, and then college. There's a college ministry I played for as well. But I like the portability of the violin the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you, you're, also, it's easier to get gigs with a violin than with a guitar. So. Right, right. And you know, you're an oddity here in Nashville because most of the great pickers and players here in Nashville they can't read a lick of music, right? There's this thing listeners call the Nashville number system, and you either know it or you don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys know it or not. You maybe don't need to. Session guys need to know it, right? And it just tells you what key you're starting in and you're following a 1-4-5 pattern or whatever. But anyway, yeah. to be able to read music is definitely an asset for writing and for composition for anything. But So you, you transitioned from classical to fiddle, or did you always fiddle a little bit? Um, I always had it in me. I think uh, of old-time musician in a past life. So. Nice. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, but it was mostly classical until I got to college. And then that's when I really started playing in all different kind of bands and learning how to improvise and all that jazz. So you somehow hooked up with Sam, and you've joined the band Don Coyote, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, Sam, tell us about the band. How'd you put the band together when did it start? How long ago did this album that I'm holding in my hand come out? And when is your next album to be released? Okay. Well, the band was started probably 2009, 2008. It was interesting. Okay. <laughs> We're going to dig deep into the lore of Don Coyote right now. Yeah. And don't be afraid to get the name wrong. It's meant to be confusing. Listeners at home, just call us whatever you want. As long as you're <laughs> listening to us, then it's a-okay with me. Nice. So probably around 2007, I was riding around with a good friend of mine in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we were working on some music, and I had just started to write songs for the first time in my life. I'd just gotten out of a pretty, I guess like a messy breakup at the time, just being young, being silly, and I just got really interested in like Hank Williams' music, and I was living in a trailer in Bellbuckle, Tennessee. Uh, so I just kind of, you know, locked myself in my room with some Hank tapes for a good, probably a couple of weeks working through whatever my emotions were. I'd never really spent a lot of time with country music prior to that. I was into, I guess, you know, a little bit of punk and a little bit of metal and then kind of just some goofy pop music, whatever you listen to at that age. Yeah. But anyway, for whatever reason, I started just really feeling this country music and my family had listened to it my whole life. And so I'd always been around it, but I'd just never shown it any interest. And then all of a sudden these songs started coming out of me. They weren't very good. They were pretty bad songs at the time. I remember I think I wrote one called Blackberry Wine that was really goofy. And I, my friend offered to record it for me. So we recorded it at his house, I think on just like one SM57. And we just did everything track by track. And we tried to make as much weird noise in it as we could. And we had a dog howling in the background. And I was just so stoked and proud because I'd never recorded anything, never performed in front of anybody. And so, you know, we're riding around hooting and hollering and celebrating, and I hear what sounds like some kind of Pentecostal tent revival going off, way off in the distance. Mm. And our windows are down, so we pull up, and we start driving closer and closer, and what it is, it's, there's an apartment complex that looks like a preparatory school in Murfreesboro, and it's gated, it's got these big ivy walls on it, but you can't see what's going on in the inside. There's mm. these windows that peek over the top. So we pull over, and we're listening to it, and I don't know if it's you know, some kind of church revival or a party or what, but it sounds, whatever it is, people are screaming and clapping and yelling. So we get out of the car and we start walking. And as we get closer, we start hearing somebody just screaming at the top of their lungs about the devil, something crazy weird. And so I started getting closer and closer and we almost turned back. We got so scared. <laughs> and then this girl just covered in tattoos comes up to the gate and says, come inside. You got to hear what's going on. That girl, her name was Tiffany. She ended up being my roommate there shortly afterwards. Wow. Very cool. But they brought us in, and what they were doing was this project called Crom. I guess the only premise of Crom was that you get a random group of people together, and they had one of those little, you know, white MacBooks, and they put it on there and just run a microphone and garage band, a single one. And we would just play from when it started up until sunrise. And that could be seven, eight hours, something like that. And the only rules were that the music had to keep going 
And so, I mean, it was completely random, completely absurd. And then every once in a while, something really cool and ornate would come out. Wow. And this guy, James, was playing a washtub bass that he had made himself. It was just a weed eater line and a galvanized steel bucket and a mm. big curly walking stick. And he was playing it really well. And I'd never met any of these people before, but I thought it was a really neat thing. So we went out the next week and they were doing the same thing. We hung with them, went out the next week and they're doing the same thing. And I really don't know what happened. I think something got heated. Somebody got in a fight with somebody and we just stopped going. I don't know. I didn't really get the memo as to what happened, but all I knew is we weren't supposed to be there. So things go on. I'm still playing music by myself. Haven't performed, done anything with anybody. The same guy that I went out there with asked me to play this craft fair in McMinnville, Tennessee with his grandma. And I had never performed before and I didn't really have all that many songs and I didn't know what I was going to do in front of everybody. So I made up a fake name. I just said Don Coyote. It was like the first thing that rolled off my tongue. I, it was a really goofy name, but <laughs> it's a great name. I happened to run into James, the same guy playing the washtub bass, that same night that I committed to do this out at you know just a pub or something in town. And I said, hey, I'm doing this show and it's next weekend and I don't have any material, but I need to get something going. Would you be interested in playing with me? So he came out. And we, you know, we practiced for like four hours and we wrote seven songs, albeit probably really bad songs at the time. <laughs> and then Tiffany and Jenny, the two girls that were there, came home, saw what we were doing, and neither of them played any instruments. But one of them picked up a violin and one of them picked up a floor tom and a tambourine and just kind of just made goofy noises. And we went to that craft show and they showed up on some of those like toy walking horses and we just acted a fool and it was in the middle of a craft fair, and nobody clapped except one, like, six-year-old girl. She started clapping after our first nice. song. And I'll never forget, watching from that microphone, this dad reach over to his daughter's lap to stop her from clapping. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we were into it at that point, right? She knew, though. We, we She's already, the only one there that knew. We hit rock bottom on the very first show. So whatever, we just hung with it and... You know, Tiffany, Jenny, they kind of went off and did their own thing. And then we met two other people, Heather and Dan, who play with us. We had a guy, Zach, who was playing drums with us. So it's been this kind of like ever-evolving cast of musicians. Nice. The album was recorded probably three years ago. It was 2014. So, okay. Yeah, three yeah. years ago. We recorded it with this guy, Joey Kneiser, who was in a band, Glossary, that was from Murfreesboro, where we were playing music. We had a lot of respect for him. He just offered to record us, and it worked out really well for us. We were really happy with that cluster of songs. Things kind of changed after that. You know, we toured it, promoted behind it, never really got a lot of attention, weren't really making a lot of money off of it. So we mm -hmm. kind of just took a step back. I started working a day job. Everybody else kind of like really got involved with their jobs. James moved up to Detroit. And I think deep down, we all kind of really missed playing some music together. And we had Phil had just joined the band too recently before that, maybe, you know, two or three months before all of it dissolved. But slowly everybody kind of just started coming over to my house and I got into like recording, started getting gear. And we've just been chipping away at a next project and we're just about done with it. As to when it's going to be released, we're not sure. You know, there's a lot of loose ends to tie up. But what we have sounds great. And nice. We're very excited to present it. Let me ask you, where do you guys record? Home studio? Yeah, we just record. I live in a duplex in Inglewood. Yeah. We've got laminate floors and, you know, corner sheetrock walls. Nothing's sound treated. And we've just got a couple of microphones and an interface. But nice. What are you recording onto? Uh, Pro Tools? No, I use Adobe Audition. So I have to okay. use uh, Creative Suite software at work. And I use it for my artwork as well, too. So it kind of just came with it. And nice. it's not, you know, the best DAW, I don't think. Okay. You know, there's some limitations, but it pretty much gets the job done. Nice, man. And we got to give a shout out to James because James has moved. James is not in the band anymore. He's the guy that was playing the washtub, right? Yep. And James has actually taken an interest in podcasting as of recently. He's always told me nice. there's somebody called The Mark, which is somebody that everybody gangs up on in the podcast. So, James, if you're out there listening tonight, you're The Mark. James, you're The Mark. We love you, man. Wherever you are, we hope you're still playing that washtub. We hope you're still working on music, and we hope you do well with your podcast and we also hope that you are getting involved or are already involved in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. So gentlemen, let's segue over to cryptocurrency. And I'll start with Phil. Phil, if you would tell our listeners how you first heard about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Well, I work at this little mom and pop pizza restaurant near Five Points called Pizza Real. And uh, there is this really strange guy who would always come in there named John Barrett. Oh, wait, that's and, uh, me. <laughs> I'm not playing dumb. I really did forget that that's how you 
that that's how you learned about it. Is that how you learned about it? <laughs> yeah. For real? Yeah. That's crazy. I, okay. I had kind of heard like vague things about Bitcoin before you mentioned okay. it. And I have to be honest, like when you whenever you first tell me about it, I was just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Because I mean, people are just scared of what they don't know, I guess. And, that's true. And telling me that there's a digital currency that was like, well... You know, I was like, I'm like most people, you know, I can't put my hands on it. Is it really real? Right. And also the delivery, if it's delivered from a guy with little beady eyes and he's on fire and you think that he sounds like a maniac, <laughs> looks and sounds like a maniac, you're like, I don't know about this thing, man. If it was delivered from anybody else, I might, if the guy had a suit on, I might accept it. But anyway, yeah, your, your point's well taken. It's hard to wrap your mind around something that you can't hold in your hand. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of slow that day. And so... I think you were talking to me about just random stuff and then you told me about Bitcoin and I wasn't really interested, but you were like, here, let me make you a wallet. So you like made me download a little wallet on my phone. Mycelium wallet, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, Great wallet. And then you gave me like $10 in Bitcoin and you were like, just hold on to that and watch what happens. About, I guess, three months later, I remembered that you'd give me that and I checked and it was at like $25. And mm. so that caught my curiosity a little yeah. bit. I found that that's the best way to get somebody interested in Bitcoin is to give them a little bit. And I usually don't go around giving people $10, but you know, I'd met you many times and you'd served us and you're a really nice guy. And I knew you were a musician too. And most musicians in Nashville are starving musicians. That's just the way the world is, but it's going to change. Blockchain is going to help change that. But when someone has a dog in the race, as they say, they're much more likely to look at that price and to watch it and then to get more curious about, like, why is it going up? Why is it doubled? What is this? What's behind this? Should I buy some more? And yeah. a lot of people, of course, you know, immediately go over to the question of, should I start mining? Should I be mining Bitcoin? That's always a very appealing idea. It was to me when I first started. And I did actually mine Litecoins for a period of time. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's your beginning. And then from there, you've just done a little bit of research on your own, right? Yeah, there's several blogs that I follow now. And I've gotten into investing into several other altcoins. Mm -hmm. It's mostly Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. I kind of started off with Coinbase and then branched off to other exchanges. Okay. But yeah, I have you know a good chunk of change in there now. I've been in investing since, uh, I guess, June, maybe? Nice. But yeah, you know, I just put a little bit, a little bit back each week or month or whatever, and yeah, you know, it's been pretty cool to watch. But yeah. Bitcoin's been kind of blowing my mind. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone there. So let's shift over to Sam. Tell our listeners, if you would, how you first heard about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and how you got interested. Probably Phil was the one who got me interested in cryptocurrency. So nice. here we are. We here were in we practice are. one day and we were talking about Bitcoin and we've got Dan, our steel player from the band. He's kind of the techie of the group. He definitely understands electronics more than any of us. And he's always kind of had a leg up on technology and the internet and Reddit and whatnot. He's always been one step ahead on that. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about Bitcoin and, it, you know, I've only really been into cryptocurrency within the past year. Like I've, you know, known about it before, but I've never really done my own research or learned anything about it until we were talking about it. And Dan mentioned that, you know, he had bought some Bitcoin back when it first came out or a year or two within it. And I think he said he paid it like, you know, 10 bucks a coin at the time. And he wrote it on a paper wallet and it's lost. And he has no idea where it is, except maybe that it's in his parents' house in his old bedroom. Oh, man. Um, and so we got interested and we started talking about it. And I realized I didn't know anything about it. So naturally, as soon as everybody got out of the house, I went online and just read everything that I possibly could. And I got hooked. I got obsessed. And we were yeah. talking about it. And I think the next time Phil and I saw each other, we had both invested in Bitcoin and Litecoin just on our own accord without any communication between it. Cool. And so I feel like we've both been feeding the fire. There's not really anybody else that I talk to about cryptocurrency except, you know, online at message boards. Yeah. But like every other day or so, Phil and I are texting each other, you know, yeah. things that are going on with altcoins, all kinds of suspicions and, you know. <laughs> Sometimes some of it I still don't understand. But yeah, yeah. And then the news out there, you probably follow some different sites where you go and read some of the, you know, kind of tabloid-like news. There's a bunch of them out there. And it's, you know, some of it's light reading, like Cointelegraph is always fun. The writing is generally 
somewhere between just okay and bad. Occasionally get a good article on there. But yeah, some of the things that are talked about online are, are outrageous. And some of the things that people propose are outrageous. But then you also get to hear intelligent people read about intelligent people and watch videos from intelligent people who actually know what they're talking about. And, you know, like Andreas Antonopoulos, I'm sure you've watched some videos from him. He's been for me, you know, just like a godsend, just the person who explains things so well from the very beginning. I've just followed him since 2011, since I first got involved. It's funny you guys said you both, you know, went from Bitcoin to Litecoin because I did the same thing. I remember talking to my friend Connie and, you know, after we realized, wow, Bitcoin's skyrocketing, this was way back in 2011, she was like, isn't there another one that we could invest in where we could get in on the ground floor? And so I started looking around the internet. At that time, there was almost nothing on YouTube. I mean, you're lucky to find anything out there about Bitcoin. But I finally did find something about Litecoin. And I called her and I said, there is, it's Litecoin, you know, <laughs> and, you can, and we can get it right now for, you know, and it was really cheap. So that was very exciting. And then, you know, from there, it's just, you know, talking about other cryptocurrencies as they come along, as they're born. You know, it is, you guys said, you know, you communicate about it often with each other. It's really nice to have somebody, my old podcast host, Lidge Shaw, who's here in town, owns the Toy Box Studio, a little plug for the Toy Box. He and I communicate fairly regularly about cryptocurrency and about prices and whatnot. It is nice to have just somebody who knows what you're talking about. You know, because when you talk to other people about it, they look at you like you're crazy. And, you know, people think you're kind of crazy if you talk about it too much. I know there are people that think I'm just a complete lunatic when it comes to that. But then you see that shifting. You see that changing over the past year where people who previously were blowing me off are now, you know, aren't you involved in that Bitcoin thing? You know, I that looks like it's doing really well. And they ask, start asking me questions about it. They start to have some curiosity you know, and then I say, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> nah, nah, I told you so. Anyway, so what else, guys? Tell me what your plans are moving forward with the band. And do you guys have any schemes for how Bitcoin or cryptocurrency could play a part in that? Yeah, well, it's, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think, you know, if I'd gotten into cryptocurrency at the same time I'd started playing music, I'd probably be prospering right now. If I'd taken every dime that I'd made off of music and instead of blowing it on picks and strings and whatever else I got and just, you know, put that, I guess, you know, it was strictly Bitcoin for a while or even some of these early altcoins. I mean, there's no telling how much money I'd have right or, now. I might... Yeah, or there's no telling where you might be. You might be laying in an alley in Amsterdam with a needle in your arm. You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, true. yeah. So I'm not saying that you would be that kind of a guy, but you know, hey. I'm not, but it's okay. Power corrupts, it, you know. You're young, give a young person millions of dollars, God only knows what can happen. But anyway, continue. No, you're right. It's, I mean, things are what they are. It's probably yeah. for the best that I didn't make a ton of money on cryptocurrencies. Same here, I think so. I am by no means an expert on finances or digital finances. Same here. But, you know, moving forward, we definitely... I think Phil and I are both on a pretty hard pitch to start a Don Coyote portfolio, or at least, uh, you know, a wallet... <laughs> So, you know, some of these smaller shows that we play, the money that we make, if we, you know, we pretty much just save it at this point anyway. Yeah. If we could just, you know, reinvest it and maybe see some gain off of that. This episode of Bitcoins and Gravy is brought to you by our good friends at MoonshineBootWax.com. Made by hand in small batches right here in East Nashville, Tennessee, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is the original, all-natural, non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is a proprietary blend of American beeswax and other fine, all-natural ingredients. It's specially formulated to feed and protect your leather while also offering an excellent, long-lasting shine. Whether it's your cowboy boots, your expensive wing tips, or your wife's favorite pumps, Moonshine Boot Wax is a must-have for gentlemen who care about their appearance. Moonshine Boot Wax is proud to partner with Community Food Advocates, a nonprofit organization working to end hunger by creating a healthy, just, and sustainable food system. Together with Community Food Advocates, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is making a positive difference in the Nashville community, one shine at a time. You can buy your very own 4-ounce tin today by going to moonshinebootwax.com. And best of all, you can pay using Bitcoin. You guys have a drum kit that you play with? Is there a drum kit or is it more like a washboard? And... Heather plays a washboard and we've got some tambourines. And There's no bass drum though? No. 
you're going to have to have a QR code somewhere, like on an uh, instrument, on the guitar. And that means that people in the audience, and it may happen once, it may happen a lot if you're in front of bigger audiences. You know, you can even mention it. You know, you notice this QR code on my guitar. If you happen to have your Bitcoin wallet, feel free to send us a tip. You just never know. Because if I were in that audience and I heard that, you know, depending on how much I liked it and depending on how flush I was, I'd send the band a nice healthy tip, right? So it can't hurt. That's true. I guess I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah, musicians do it. Yeah, Tatiana Moreau, she's one of the well-known Bitcoin musicians. <laughs> I think there's only two of us, actually. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she's... Uh, she does that when she performs. She has a QR code and also on her website. So yeah, any YouTube videos you guys put up, whether it's, you know, audio video or just the audio, definitely have a QR code. If you liked what you heard, send us a tip and that's growing. And then we don't really have time in this interview on this show to talk about Steemit, but have you guys heard about Steemit, S-T-E-E-M-I-T? I believe I've been to some of their blog posts. I okay. haven't really looked into it, but yeah, steam it. So this is going to open up another avenue for you guys to actually make money with your music. And it's pretty exciting. And you know, one thing that's really exciting, there's a lot of things exciting happening in the Bitcoin world and the blockchain world. But one thing that's really exciting that content creators are looking forward to, we know it's coming, we know the tech is going to make it possible. And steam it is a pretty good example of that. And that is that if you like something, if you like some content, you read an article that you like, you listen to a song that you like, you watch a video that you like that someone created, you can tip them a penny or a dime or a nickel. And that's the future of content creation and tipping content creators. Because right now the model, the YouTube model is horrible for musicians. You can have a million views and how much money are you really going to make? Imagine if you have on Steemit or on another platform, these platforms are coming up. Imagine if you have a million people watching and in order to watch that video or listen to that song, they each had to use their widget on their computer and tip you a penny or a dime in order to watch that or to watch the second one. Well, a million people just tipped you a dime. You got the money to record another album and take a tour. So that's what we're moving toward is a true peer-to-peer I'm listening to your music online, you're the content creator, and I'm able to tip you a dime or a dollar. And now with digital currency, with cryptocurrency, we can do that. Because there is no other model where you can tip somebody a penny or a nickel or a dime. You can't do it by way of PayPal, right? Because the fees are going to get you. There's no other real easy way to send a penny or a nickel or a dime or a quarter. So that's a beautiful thing about content creation in the future, that it will truly be peer-to-peer. There won't be an intermediary. You may be on a platform, but if that platform is decentralized and distributed over a number of computers, over thousands of computers or hundreds of computers, again, like the Bitcoin blockchain, there will be no central point of failure or friction or censoring. There will be no third party that can bring that platform down. And it will just be me listening to your songs and tipping you and you receiving that money. And that's exciting. You know, that's the future that I'm looking forward to. And I know musicians and all content creators are going to benefit from that. And, you know, the people that are out there that don't understand what's happening yet, that don't understand blockchain, and I'm still working to wrap my mind around the whole thing, but the companies that are they're, you know, with sort of a monopoly, I would consider YouTube kind of in that category. They don't really fully understand yet what's happening. And about the time that they do understand it, in a sense, it's going to be too late because these platforms are going to exist and the content creators are going to benefit greatly from it. Well, guys, this is great. How about if we turn our listeners on to one of these tracks off this album? Does that sound good? Yeah, I think that sounds good to me. I'm going to let you guys pick which one. There's some great songs on this album, by the way. It says Delta Dime Records, Interstate Rag, If I Don't Make It Home Tonight, Great Divide, Wreck My Home. I loved that, man. That is a great tune. Sardis Lake, Lies, No Cure I Know, Canary in the Coal Mine, your version of it. Better than that police version, in my opinion. Although I was a huge fan of the police growing up. If you want to get right... Backdoor to Heaven and Stay Together for the Dogs. I love that one. You know? I think that would be a good one to play. Yeah? Yeah, tonight, let's just roll it as Stay Together for the Doge. <laughs> stay Together for the Doge. Yeah, baby. You heard it first. All right, here we go. Here we go. Max, Hey, Max, this one's for you. Here we go, guys. One, two, you know what to do. One, two, you know what to do. 
Wipe that polish from your nails Cause you know I can't stand the smell Burning up my runny nose With drugstore perfume in your clothes You could learn a thing or two song and look at max wagging his tail though he loved it too so sam tell me when you wrote this song and tell us who plays on this track dan our steel player we actually wrote that song together as a duet we were in birmingham recording on our friend rayvon pettis's album and i had just come up with that riff that weekend and we sat there and we practiced it and the girl that was playing fiddle on the album her name was jenny lee obert she's a fantastic fiddle player Mm. but we met her down there and she just kind of jammed around with us we didn't have any words And so we just did an iPhone recording of it, looping it maybe, you know, 20 or 30 times. And we listened to it in the car the whole way back. And I was driving and Dan, you know, was playing secretary, keeping notes. And one by one, we hatched it out. And so it was pretty interesting writing a male-female dynamic song that way with, you know, just two bros sitting side by side in a car together. But it worked. We happened, you know, we were really happy with it. And we brought it to Heather and she absolutely killed it on the vocals. So... We were pleased with it, and we were lucky enough to have, you know, Fiddle Jenny come in and play violin on that, too. Nice. Now, is Heather still with the group? Yes. Okay, nice. And yeah. Fiddle Jenny was just was just sitting in. Yeah, so Fiddle Jenny, she's, I mean, a professional session musician. That's just how she makes her income. She I tours see. and she plays session jobs. And cool. so, I mean, at that point, we didn't know any other session players. She was the first one we'd ever really met. And so, you know, she was happy to help us out with the project and come in. She said she really liked the material. And so she came in and she did four songs with us. And after that, we, you know, we had a full-time fiddle player for a while. Her name was Anna Harris. She moved to Austin, Texas. And then right at the same time that she was moving out, Phil was moving in from Starkville into Nashville. And our good friend Dale introduced us to Phil. And it kind of, you know, passed the torch from one to the next. And we've been very happy. Phil, do you mind if from this point forward, I refer to you as Fiddle Phil? Um, you would not be the first one to refer to me as that. So that's better I, than violin, Phil. Yeah, right. It Fi- Yo, is. fiddle, Phil. <laughs> nice man. Well, that's great stuff. But yes, you're, you're welcome to. I'm welcome to. Okay, nice, nice, nice. So you guys, again, once again, you're not sure when the album's coming out, but it's going to be soon. When can I anticipate having a 
copy of this in my hands. At least sometime within the next 17 years. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic, man. Sometime within the next 17 years. Nice. Well, I'm hoping that's sooner rather than later. Well, stay tuned. We're full of surprises, but you got to read between the lines. Nice, nice. And uh, I have to ask, do you guys have any gigs coming up? And whether you do or not, can you tell our listeners how they can find you here in Nashville and also how they can find you online? Well, you can find us on Bandcamp. That's our the full album. They also have a EP that was earlier than that, which has some pretty killer tunes on it as well. There is one recording that I am on. We did this uh, Christmas tune. <laughs> last last December. Nice. And I am playing violin on that one. We have a couple out-of-town shows. I actually just sent out a bunch of emails today, so I'm not quite sure, but I try to keep the, our Instagram and Facebook pretty well up-to-date. Okay. So anytime anything noteworthy or funny or not quite noteworthy enough, but we need another post on Facebook comes okay. along, now I'll they... usually let y'all know. Okay, now how do our listeners find you on Facebook and Instagram, I think you said? If you just look up for Don Coyote, it's there's a picture of our album cover, okay. I believe, which is a cow skull, is that what it is? Yeah, 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 just like I'm looking at here, it's a, it's a skull of a steer or a cow, right? Yes. And some other grass there. It's, it's really cool, actually, and in the background there's some kind of a woven... Blanket looks very southwestern in a certain way, but it's a very neat look. Yeah. Yeah. Sam put that together, I think, didn't you? Yeah. Dan and I shot that picture together. The cow skull was a gift to me from a guy, Robert, that I took a drawing class with when I was in college. I don't know. Real blue collar guy. Really funny. But we got in some fight. We got in a fight over politics or something one day, oh. and we were really mad at each other. <laughs> and I left class. So the next day he came back with that skull for me as a gift. And, you know, we shook hands. We made up. Nice. Held on to the skull for a long time, and one day, Dan and I were just like, you know, that thing really should be gold, so we spray-painted it, and we kind of just took a picture of it. We were so hyped on it, nice. and, you know, we held on to that, decided to use it as the album artwork. Carl Carbonell, who's a printmaker out of Salt Lake City, and a friend of mine, he overlaid the type for us and did the image on the back, mm. um, and that skull is actually forever in Turn One Bar over on Gallatin Road, so anybody local from East Nashville, go over to Turn One and... You can see the skull in person. Nice, man. Listeners, the track we heard was Stay Together for the Dogs from the album by Don Coyote, Bless Your Heart. This is great stuff. You know, I have to mention that uh, most people don't know. They know my dog as Max or Maxwell, but I very rarely tell people his full name. His full name is Maxwell Raskolnikov Coyote Rex. <laughs> so, you know, there's some interesting coincidence here. Guys, thank you so much for being here in the Treehouse studio I really appreciate you making the trek on this cold autumn night. It's chilly out there here in Nashville, and I wish you all the best with your new album. I can't wait to get a copy of it in my hands. I hope that I won't have to pay for it. <laughs> that would be really nice, you know, if I get that in my mailbox one of these days. But anyway, good luck with everything. Sam, your songs are phenomenal. I'm glad you have Phil along for the ride now, and I uh, look forward to hearing you guys out live sometime, too. Please keep me informed. I would really, really love to come hear you guys play live sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, thank you, John. We'd love to have you out at a show sometime. Anybody else in East Nashville, you know, keep an eye out for us. Everybody else regionally and nationally, look us up. It's Don Coyote. Just Google search Don Coyote Band or do it on Facebook. You can find us. It's like us or a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, so... Those are your only options. We're not too hard to track down. <laughs> well, nice. There is one, there's a Don Coyote in South America as well. I'm not sure what country, but. Oh, that's news to me. We're not that band. Oh, you're not that, that band. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. You're not that band. You're the East Nashville Don Coyote. Guys, thanks a million for being here today, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Bye. Thanks, guys. Lacquer on your toes Nobody ever feels the crash But everybody knows Once the honeymoon is over What tempts a man to take a look around Riding high above the tree line But you know someday you'll have to come back down Now she's thinking about leaving me I see it in her eyes Cause my thoughts are always wrapped around Your ankles and your thighs Well I've got things that I require To lead a healthy life But I want more 
to thank my guests on today's show, songwriter extraordinaire Sam Jaco and fiddlin' Phil Thompson of the band Don Coyote. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by the Treehouse Studio and for sharing with us some real quality country music. I'd also like to thank you guys for your instrumentals as heard throughout this episode. Guys, keep on rocking Nashville with this great country music, and I have every confidence that you guys will succeed at everything you endeavor to accomplish. And a shout-out to our sponsor, Moonshine Cowboy Bootwax, the original all-natural, non-toxic bootwax with a scent of orange. The Nashville Wax Company is now offering Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover for removing stubborn, sticky stuff. All Moonshine products are 100% natural and are available at 15 different fine retail outlets in the Nashville area, including the Batch Store at the Nashville Farmer's Market on Rosa Parks Drive. To order a tin of Moonshine Boot Wax or a 4-ounce bottle of Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover, sit tight, don't move. That's right, without even getting up out of your chair, just go to moonshinebootwax.com. You can use your debit card, your credit card, or better yet, hey, why not pay the modern way with Bitcoin? That's right, Bitcoin, the modern way to pay at moonshinebootwax.com. And finally, I'd like to thank all my loyal listeners, that's you, for tuning in and for giving me your thoughtful feedback about the show. Your comments in the show notes are always appreciated, as are the tips that you send to my Bitcoin wallet. I'm a hardworking guy with two jobs and not a lot of money, so every little bit counts. Even a 50-cent tip sent to my wallet goes a long way to making me feel that continuing to produce this podcast on a volunteer basis is worth it. It also helps keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin blockchain epicenter of the South, I'm John Barrett, the host of Bitcoins and Gravy, here each week with my trusty dog Maxwell right by my side. 
Say goodbye, Maxwell. Good boy. Until next week, friends, remember that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. So do something, y'all, and be proud of it. And if you want to make the world a better place, begin by turning off the news, or the bad news, as I call it. Why spend your time thinking about negative things that we can't change when we can go out right now, today, and help one of our neighbors or someone we care about? Maybe you have a neighbor who needs help cutting a limb from a tree or cleaning gutters or getting to the grocery store. These random acts of goodness and kindness bring us back to being human and to putting out energy into caring about other people, people who might just need a helping hand. And whenever we do something nice for another person, it also makes us feel good inside. So it is a genuine win-win situation. And go out and express yourself, y'all. Do something and be proud of it. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain. Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain. Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Oh Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain, oh Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go. the thing i want to shift the conversation slightly because i think it's wrong to think about cryptocurrencies displacing fiat or measuring cryptocurrencies against the fiat they displace that okay. i think is not the right way to look at it any more than we would look at the internet and say well how many phone lines and fax machines has the internet displaced well it hasn't really displaced them what it did was it rendered the entire paradigm obsolete and made the very measurement of internet in terms of phone lines and fax ludicrous and irrelevant and so the question is 
when do we start measuring Bitcoin, not in terms of it being worth $450, but in terms of one Bitcoin being worth one Bitcoin, and in terms of Bitcoin not displacing economic activity in fiat, but essentially enabling completely new models of economic activity that have nothing to do with the old paradigm and cannot even be measured in terms of the old paradigm. We're currently measuring cryptocurrencies in terms of the old paradigm, because that's the context we have. And that's a bit like saying that the total value of the internet is the number of the users times how much they're paying for their DSL and cable modem connections, or how many bricks and mortar stores it's replaced. And again, that's completely missing the point. It enables entirely new ways of communicating. Well, Bitcoin enables entirely new ways of economic transactions and economic activity. So, from that perspective, I think it's wrong to look at whether a nation or a significant percentage of population have adopted Bitcoin. Let's look more at the possibility of having the first transnational community of economic activity on the internet that is independent of nation states and that exhibits elements of sovereignty through financial purchasing power on its own without the use of a sovereign currency. Uh, so that is far more interesting to me, because it completely renders the old paradigm irrelevant and makes it unnecessary to measure ourselves by those metrics. I think one of the key things we're going to see is Bitcoin affecting some of the core capabilities within the internet. For example, monetizing and rewarding the creation of content, as well as building and paying for infrastructure for internet connectivity by making that infrastructure productive in terms of economic activity, because it now carries a currency over it. The other big milestones for me are the ability to disrupt the remittances market, enabling the transnational flows of currency from migrant workers to their home countries and families, which can have a very, very significant and immediate impact on poverty around the world, because that's one of the most exploitative markets in financial services. And the third one is enabling um, essentially uh, cryptocurrency IPOs where companies anywhere in the world can make public offerings of crypto stocks available to investors anywhere in the world without any barriers to entry and creating completely new economic activity by allowing for direct investment. So peer-to-peer -peer payments, peer-to-peer -peer remittances, peer-to-peer -peer crowdfunding as some of the first three major milestones for cryptocurrencies. Oh, good boy.